so my mate finished up at school the other day it was the last day of um Term. She's a teacher, not she's a, a child. Teacher. No, she's a teacher. That is an important thing to clarify. Important distinction. Thank you. And she has the she has the, just this class that sounds like something else entirely. And within the space of half an hour, <laughs> she had one kid wet themselves and not want to say anything because they just <laughs> they didn't think the other kids had noticed. And she was like, denial. She's like, they're gonna notice, mate. They're gonna they're gonna pick up on it sooner or later. It's like, no, it just looks like I spilled water on myself. Singing cold pee. <laughs> Yeah, and just like it's just in one section, like it's fairly obvious. Not a big deal. But hey, they didn't want to do it. She had another kid with their glasses trying to start a fire, just like <laughs> using them like a magnifying glass. And then she had another kid call another kid a fat C. <laughs> so she's just like, what the hell? She's like, I'm leaving early. I realize it's us as kids. That's so <laughs> us. So us. You're the person that's a... 100% fat scene. Swearing. <laughs> Lucy's definitely in the back trying to make fire. She's read something online about how to like... Fire starter. Fire. Yeah. <laughs> fire starter. Oh my fire God, duh. And I'm definitely the one that's pretending I didn't pee because I'm busy and it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. If no one notices... It's going to dry. It's fine. There's pick your battles, sterile. miss. There's things to worry about, and this is not one of them. Stick to your own work. Eyes on your own work. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of the Fierce Females of History podcast, where we tell the stories of women from history that you should know about. I'm Lucy. I'm Erin. And I'm Talissa. And I nearly forgot to introduce myself. <laughs> That's okay. We got there in the end. And we all went evenly this time. The last done. couple of times we've been talking over each other. Now. Now, 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 now. It's your turn this week, miss. It is. And may a bit before we start. I've had two wines. Good. Good. You guys have been... You only had, what, one or two? I had one and a half. Yeah. Nice red wine. Only warming up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We're just getting jazzy. We're Maybe. having some Spanish. I think it's Spanish or is it South American? South American. Casillero. It's my favourite drop. If anyone out there is listening yeah. and wants to... <laughs> Sponsor me. This wine is it. Just sponsor me. Don't sponsor the others. <laughs> That's rude. It's fine. Sponsor drinking... my lifestyle, not this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, we're drinking your wine right now. Fair. May I also add, if you're listening right now, if you feel like pouring yourself a glass of wine and it's appropriate at the time you're listening, it's five o'clock somewhere. Even if it's it. not appropriate, like, like, if you're not driving, you know. There's no yeah. time in quarantine either. It's just it's true. It's always Pando, wine time. It's always wine time. Coffee time, wine time. Mm-hmm. Well, the reason that I think it's kind of okay that we've had a couple of reds tonight, today, tonight, at the moment, is because I'm telling you a story which part of me feels torn to tell because I think it's it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Let me just start by saying that. Well, we're kind of glorifying someone who's not the best person in history. So just remember fierce, that. Fierce has many different interpretations. It's very true. This is fierce, not friendly females of history. Exactly. Boom. Just a heads up before this episode, it is a little bit violent and pretty graphic at times as well. So in case you're feeling like skipping past it today, there's your little warning. Let me take you back. Let me paint you a picture. (laughs) (laughs) The year is 1930 and we're in Dallas, Texas. The stock market crashed just the year before. And right now we're in the Great Depression, which means there's a huge number of unemployment Lots of poverty. Fun fact, Pluto was just discovered. That has nothing to do with the story. Okay, that's cool. But it's fun. And America's in a period of prohibition. So no drinking, lots of strict rules. Oh, so fitting that we're drinking it for the first right. time. Making yeah. up for lost time. Exactly. But you decide to have some friends over anyway. You know, you don't always need to drink to have fun. That's what they say. Mm-hmm, apparently. And 
So they're on the lemon lime and bitters. <laughs> Minus the bitters that has the minor amount of alcohol in it. Oh. Just so you know. Okay. All right. So you invite guests over. Everyone's mingling, getting along. Nothing seems out of the ordinary. Just a normal night. You're playing host. You're introducing everyone. Hello, this is blah, blah. This is yada, yada. Shake hands. Great. Mm-hmm. And you introduce two of your guests, not realizing you've just introduced the most iconic, notorious outlaw lovers of all time. You have just introduced Bonnie and Clyde. Oh! Because <laughs> that's literally how they met. But we'll get to that in a second. Oh, I'm excited. Wait, so you're telling us a story? Mm. Okay. Yes, can I tell you how dumb I am? I didn't realize they were real people. I really? Just, yes, mate. I thought they were just a story. That's and okay. I was like, oh, I want to do someone who's not the best this week. Mm. And I was like, what is that? <laughs> She's fictional. She's not. No. Mm-mm. She's not. Oh, this is going to be fun. Yeah. I hope. Um, let me have some more. Wow. Looking up your expectations. Bonnie Elizabeth Parker was born October 1, 1910 in Rowena, Texas. Mm-hmm. She was one of four children um, to Emma and Charles and her parents' names. But their eldest son passed away very young. When Bonnie was just four, her father also passed away. And it left the family really poor. Because you got to remember, this is 19, you know, 14 at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so her mum moved Bonnie her younger, her older brother and her younger sister to a poor suburb of Dallas, sorry, and it's known as Cement City. So it's a really industrial okay. poor area. Yeah. It was a place that was said to be full of people with not much money and crime was rife through the area. It was a really volatile place. But Bonnie was a bright student who showed a keen interest in poetry and literature and she actually did really well at school. She liked writing and had big dreams of becoming an actress and she just wanted to be famous. Like she just had this idea of what fame would be and always kept that in her mind that's something that none of us can relate to (laughs) (laughs) hey we've never we've never seen the we've never had stars in our eyes ever no definitely none of us did acting (laughs) nope (laughs) (laughs) we'll try to do amateur life is stone (laughs) (laughs) no small parts (laughs) (laughs) but there are and i'm not taking them She was said to be tiny in stature, like under five foot. So tiny. She had quite good fashion. Yeah, she was. Although, was this like the um, Hollywood interpretation? Yes, because that's all I know well, about. Well, we might, we might just find that out a little bit later. Sorry, on. I'm jumping no, the you're gun. Right, you're jumping um, the gun. Hey, I see you. That's okay. what you did. Um, yeah, she was quite iconic for a number of reasons, but we'll get to that okay. in a second. But she had strawberry blonde hair, she was super beautiful and tiny. tiny. Absolutely tiny. Because her family was poor, a lot of people in the town kind of expected she would marry young, and she did, but it was a lot younger than they kind of thought. So she was 15, and she got married. She fell for a high school classmate, Roy Thornton, and they married in September of 1926. She was 15, turning 16 a couple of days later. But he was the same age? He was the same age, yeah. Or, or Did you say the town was expecting her to? It's kind of like, I meant more the society. Like the society she was a part of was like, if you're in a poor uh, family, you'll probably marry young. Cement City didn't have much going for it. Right, okay. Women probably weren't making much money in the 1920s yeah. at this point. Like, you know, it was just kind of expected of her to yeah. marry. Yeah, of course. So that's kind of, I probably should have said it that way. So she was very in love with Roy um, and she even got a tattoo of his name on her leg, on her right thigh, in a love heart. Wow. Yas Queen. Which was not done at the time. Women no, did not have tattoos. Hence the Yas Queen. Yeah. It was and I don't think it should be done at this time. I mean, no tattoo judgment. Sorry. No, on a 15-year-old? Definitely not. Don't not on a 15-year-old. I'm, I'm going to get Blake's name tattooed. I don't. really decided to do it. YOLO. Where are you going to get it? On my fing- on my ring finger when he proposes. Because I'll lose a wedding ring, let's be honest. That's the same as a rude finger. No, it's not. Opposite. It would be good if they were the same because either way... 
shut up. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, Blake's like starting the car running. <laughs> <laughs> Their relationship was a mess, though, and uh, Roy was just a horrible man. He drank heavily and he was a criminal. He was doing all sorts of things. He'd disappear for days at a time. He'd come back and then be physically abusive. He was a really, really bad man. And um, he was actually arrested over a bank robbery. And there are some reports that say it was also a murder involved in that robbery, Mm -hmm. but I couldn't confirm that. And he was sentenced to five years in prison. Bonnie left him. She didn't technically divorce him, but she never saw him again. And she never actually took the wedding ring off. She wore it for the rest of her life. So hmm. I don't know why Interesting. that was. Maybe yeah. she always loved him. Or it was a really good ring. Nice ring, yeah. yeah. Very accurate and probably very fair. Mm-hmm. So Bonnie left him and she went to live with her mother in Dallas where she worked as a waitress. She was said to be really bored with her life and she was really lonely and she kind of dreamed of adventure and something better out there for her. On January 5, 1930, when Bonnie went to a party at a friend's house, it was there at age 19, she met a guy. He was 21 years old and his name was Clyde Barrow. And the two hit it off right away. The plot thickens. It sure does. Clyde was an ex-con. He was a wanted man. He grew up really poor. And there are stories saying, like, his family was so poor, his brothers and him had to sleep under a wagon. Because wow. they didn't even have any sort of shelter apart from underneath the car. And then, you know, his father saved up and bought them a tent to live in. Like, they were really, really mm. poor. And wow. the town they were from was just full of crime. And his brothers and him were really naughty kids and then became criminals as they were, you know, a little tiny bit older, not adults yet, to the point where when anything would happen in the town, they'd point the finger straight at the Barrow brothers and know straight away mm. that it was one of them because they yeah. were so naughty and... Don't, criminals really yeah. yeah it's it's it is very sad actually that like life can get that way for people where they're literally driven to becoming criminals yeah mm-hmm. and, and to be honest like i'm not going to go too much into his life because this is about her but it's very hard to talk about her without him because a big part of her life is him mm-hmm. but when you read about him i don't know what other way his life could have gone like there's yeah an, i can't see yeah. another, clear there's path another way out him. yeah it was a really difficult childhood and then early life but they fell in love with each other really quickly and he offered her an escape from her boring life and she was very loyal to him and was a really good partner to him and they were kind of like this perfect pair they kind of fulfilled what the other one felt like they needed at that time which was more crime well as it turns out (laughs) um clyde was in prison just before they met and some really awful things had happened to him in prison and there wasn't long before he was back in trouble with the law Mm. he was arrested and convicted of several crimes including theft and it wasn't long until he began hatching a plan in jail to escape he does not want to be in jail and he says you know a number of different times for his life like i'd rather die than go back to prison no 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 don't you get a job i just think he should get a job it's not a bad suggestion. He um, doesn't ever get one, though. So, fun fact. Oh. Well, he might. But He's going to the big house. <laughs> the dog house. He money another way. He comes up with a plan. Clyde and another inmate team up together. And they're like, nah, we're getting out of here. And they come up with this plan to break out of prison. And the inmate had remembered of a gun that he'd stashed away. So That Clyde, old chestnut. <laughs> exactly. Just at his mum's house, just in a box or something. It's fine. Um, and they're like, hey, Bonnie, just do us a quick favour, will you love? Um, go get that gun for us. And she's like, okay. And she gets it. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, bring it into the prison, smuggle it into the prison, won't you love? And she's like, no problem, of course I will, sure. Mm-hmm. I'd love to do that for you, smuggle a gun into a prison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she does, of okay. course. And they use it to escape and they get out. And... There are some stories that he got out of prison and then she didn't hear from him. 
And she was really hurt because he, she was broken the law for him. Sighs aggressively. I know. And then he ghosted her. Of course. Speaking of prison breaks, I don't think I told you guys that. That I was time at- you prison broke? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was at the pub near where I work and it's this dingy little pub, but it's great. It's got all this character. And there was a guy there who was doing a book reading and we found out who this guy was. And he was, he's a famous historical Australian who's known for escaping from jail using a helicopter. Cool. Ned and Kelly? he got, no, he got his partner, he's got his, to hijack a helicopter and then scoop him up. And it worked. I think they were on the run for like 13 or 14 days or something like that. And we are talking to him. It's really interesting because it's all about, you know, don't do crimes, kids. But then maybe a few weeks after we met him, he was in court again for selling stolen rugs or something like that. So it's a few days before Bonnie hears from him and she's feeling like shit. So he gets back in touch with her a day or two later and then before she, he makes it home, he's captured again. He's sentenced to 14 years hard labour this time and he gets sent to one of the toughest prisons in the country. I believe that. And basically it's described as a slave camp and it's inside that prison that he is sexually assaulted by another inmate and... The reason I'm describing this section of his life is because it maybe it'll help understand why some of the decisions are made later on. Mm-hmm. But basically he had had enough. He was being constantly assaulted by this inmate. He convinced, was speaking with another inmate from his hometown who was in there for murder. And uh, they plotted that Clyde would kill the guy who'd been attacking him. And the other guy who was already facing a life sentence would take the blame. Mm-hmm. So Clyde killed this guy and got out of jail like nothing had happened um he cut off two of his toes so he didn't have to do hard labor wow didn't need to because two days later his mum bailed him out okay so if he just waited two days just call your mom that's like a hectic don't want to do pa excuse um <laughs> so uh while he was in there though he and bonnie started writing to each other and the notes were very passionate that's what they described Ooh. and it's around here she already calls him her soulmate they'd only spent a little bit of time together before he was put in jail so she must be uh pretty smitten mm-hmm. and they're said to have fallen deeply in love with each other so he was released in 1932 and it was early like i said because his mum pulled some strings and finally bonnie and clyde reunited she decides to join Clyde's group of criminal buddies, which was usually comprised of Clyde, Clyde's brother Buck, Buck's wife Blanche, and the other friend W.D. Jones. There's five of them. Amazing names. Two yeah. couples and a random fifth wheel. They sound like a... They sound like a... Criminal gang? Well, yeah, but also like a wild western troop. We're going to the saloon. Oh, here's Bucky and again. Bucky and Blanche and Dodie Jones. Oh, they're riding into town. town ain't big enough for the both of us. I'm really sorry. So they're a criminal gang who would rob banks and small businesses and it said Bonnie just joined in and Clyde had a plan to rob as many small businesses as he could to save enough money to attack the jail that he was held in and release all the inmates. Remember that? You'll need it later. Put okay. a pin in it. Okay. Bonnie and the Barrow gang were robbing a hardware store in April of this year. However, things turned and Bonnie was captured by police. Oh. So, yeah, she was actually put in jail and she used her time behind bars to write poetry which focused on her relationship with her and Clyde. 
I feel like if this was one of your friends, you'd be like, babe, slow down a little bit. It yeah, feels a little yeah. bit rushed and all she seems to write about is her and Clyde. And that's nice. Well, she got that other dude's name on her on leg. On her leg and the, and the ring on her finger. Mm-hmm. Question. Yes. Are we told that all she wrote about was Clyde was because we only know about her in the context of Clyde? Are we potentially missing out on the rich in life of Bonnie because of the way that her story throughout history has been wrapped up with his very much so yes Mm -hmm. she also wrote scripts but it was always about two lovers like the movie scripts and things she wrote were love stories like about you know two people on the run or two people against the world Mm. like it might not have even been about her and Clyde all the time but that's how it was taken she could just be hella romantic like that's the other side of it yeah and And like she didn't have anything she didn't have a lot of other things in her life. No, no. She, I mean, she was married at 15. She yeah. didn't have... And I'm imagining this much. Clyde is quite a dashing character. Mm. He was a bad man, though. Let me just put that can very I, Can I look up... There. She likes a bad do, yeah. guy. Maybe you're right, Lucy. Like, maybe her stories are... Like, a lot of... This is why talking about her is so difficult because all the research I did, everything is tied into him. It is almost impossible to mm. find her backstory mm. more than what I've given you. Like, it's... Bonnie and Clyde. Like, even if you type in her full name, barely anything pops up. But if you type in Bonnie and Clyde, you get a million different options. Yeah. So, yeah, she did write a lot about love and about, you know, two people running away from the law. So I guess people just assumed it was about her and Clyde. Yeah. Yeah. maybe she was just a really romantic person. Or maybe there was more and what we care about is whatever fits the storyline of her and Clyde. Yeah. Or that's what inspired her because that's what was in her life. That was what was going on. Exactly. That's what was her – that was her purpose. So one of her – so she wrote poems and a lot of them focused, as I said, on her relationship with Clyde. And weirdly, one of them was called The Trail's End and it seems to foreshadow what actually happens to them. She wrote a couple of different things that – when you read them now, you're like, is she a psychic? Because this is weird. Oh. So she said, this is what it, the poem said. Someday they'll go down together and they'll bury them side by side. To few, it'll be grief. To the law, a relief. But it's death for Bonnie and Clyde. Mm. Well. Cute. Very. Kind of. <laughs> it's a bit intense. In a fucked it's up a way. Yeah. Again, if this is one of you, I'd be like, cut it out. Yep. Stop talking about boyfriend. Yes. Plenty Two. of fish in the sea. Yeah. CC. Now, in June 1932, the court failed to convict Bonnie after she stated she was kidnapped by the Barry gang, so she was released. Also, the court didn't believe a woman could possibly commit crimes like this. Oh, of course not. So she was released into the waiting arms of Clyde. Oh. Only, she only served two months in the end as well. And by the time Bonnie was released from prison, Clyde had already killed a police officer and it meant the crew needed to be on the run. So she literally got out of jail, had to figure out a way to meet up with them because they were on the run. And uh, that's basically her life story now, on the run constantly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's said she later told her concerned family members that she knew she might die with Clyde, but it was okay with her because life wouldn't be worth living without him. That aside, what is real? Bad. She just wanted more than what she had. Don't, we, she all wanted... just, don't we all just want yes. a little more. more? Exactly what it reminded me of. Please, sir, can I have some more? <laughs> Very different responses, Ariel here and Oliver. And I don't mind that either of them, both of musical more. references. But you want more. more. But uh, like, it's like thrilling. I know. Like, mom, I'm going to die, but it's going to be awesome. Okay, exactly. bye. I might see you at Christmas. <laughs> I don't know why she's a chain smoker now. But <laughs> well, she does actually see her mom and um, her mom, like, when she gets out of prison and her mom's like, you're not going to see that boy anymore, are you? She's like, no. 
I'm just going to go over here and do something that I'll be right back. And she leaves with him. Yeah. So the couple resume their crime spree, actually the, with the other gang operatives as well. And they took part in robberies, which spanned several states. And every time, you know, they would rob and then they would stay there for a couple of nights and then they would move on to the next place. They meandered from town to town, stealing cash and food as they needed. And they ate by the roadside or in the privacy of rented rooms. So Bonnie was well put together and she began to gain confidence um, with kind of the gang and what they were doing. And um, she even decided to stop wearing like flat shoes, which would obviously make it easier to run. Yes, and queen. she wore heels all the time. And um, Low sensible heel. <laughs> probably a, a mule. A kitten yes. heel. A kitten heel. Look, I'm here to do business, but I'm going to look good. <laughs> business and pleasure if I might. Exactly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so the gang was one of the several murders and um, some of them were of police officers. And they also murdered a young father as they tried to steal his car. There were some reports that kids were in the Ooh. back, but I'm not quite sure. That's it was, not good. They're really bad people. Yeah, it's they're not yeah. good. And it gets worse. Um, at the end of that year, there would be a huge deployment of police officers with their only task to capture the Barrow gang, which is what they started calling them because yeah. obviously Clyde and his brother Buck uh, and yeah. his wife actually had the same last name. Later on, Clyde's sister Marie would say that um, the so-called Barrow gang wielded screwdrivers more than they did guns because they would change number plates on cars and get mm. away. And she said most of their crimes are just, you know, theft and stealing cars. They weren't these big bad robbers and murderers that everyone painted them out to be. I disagree, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> a few people have died, but okay, continue. <laughs> exactly. Um, Clyde drove, Bonnie navigated, and WD Jones, the other gang member, often acted as photographer. WD-40 uh, was on scene. <laughs> <laughs> this is WD Jones you're listening to. <laughs> <laughs> so true. In April 1933, the gang were living out of a Missouri apartment. They were said to be anything but discreet despite being wanted criminals. They were uh, having drinks, which were illegal, like we said. Yep. They were have, they were smoking. They were playing card games. They were very loud. Um, but, you know, if they were breaking the prohibition laws, it's probably the best thing they did that week, yep. by the sounds of things. <laughs> um, so the neighbours carried it up and made a noise complaint. Although it's a good thing now. Yeah. Um, but were, the officers are like, yes, we're going to get some bootleggers that are out there drinking illegally. Ha ha ha. Having no idea. Hot on their heels. Exactly. They had no idea who they were about to find. The barrel gang. Oh, really? They just thought it was some randoms having a drink when they weren't allowed to be. Karen didn't know what she was she getting in. no idea. Be careful when you speak to the manager, Doug. <laughs> well, she leveled up, didn't she? <laughs> she Karen leveled up. <laughs> Power vested in me. <laughs> By the way. Of <laughs> and by a really <laughs> bad haircut. <laughs> Five armed police officers drove over to the house, over to that house, and demanded that the bootleggers they thought leave, but instead uh, of randoms, they found Bonnie, Clyde, WD, Clyde's brother Buck, and <laughs> who were wanted criminals. Okay. So shots are being fired, and two police officers go down, and they actually later die of the injuries. One on site, and then one later in the hospital. Mm. Three officers are still holding out and shooting, and one bullet hits WD. They say that it actually went straight through him. Either reports his torso or his shoulder, but his upper body. Um, and that's uh, actually better. Yeah. Um, but From all the true crime and Grey's Anatomy I've absorbed. <laughs> I said, yeah, I have no idea. I was just trying to be polite. I've got no idea. But um, this part's a little bit... I mean, bit... better than what? Like, I'd prefer it to just not hit me at all. Well, <laughs> well true. But if you had a choice, Lucy. So um, this is the part that feels like there's a lot of things with Bonnie and Clyde. A lot of it's like 
fake sounding and this is mm. one of them so a bullet hits wd like i said another WD bullet 40. <laughs> another bullet is said to have ricocheted off clyde's button of his jacket that happens the chances though it does happen there was a world war one soldier i remember reading about who was saved by a silver cigarette case and there's a girl that got shot and her bra wire saved her i'm not saying it's impossible <laughs> i'm just saying in this story there's a little bit too many theatrics in the one sitting in the exactly. one story exactly life's a stage <laughs> bullet flings off his jacket and then they're still going everywhere and then also um another bullet grazes past buck and they um the police get out fired by the gang and the, the gang start taking over and the bonnie clyde and buck and wd escape and then they get to the car and then blanche isn't with them blanche Everybody oh no gotta go back for blanche they don't go back for blanche <gasps> but there's, she's fine she's fine she's fine because she's like, oh, I need to get my dog. Where's the dog? And I thought you'd appreciate <laughs> I that. I relate. And you would also tend to appreciate that as I well. I relate. Yeah. I, I don't. Get the hell out. If someone's shooting at you and you go back, I love your dogs both. But if you do that, I'll be real mad at you. I'd go back for the dog. I know. I'd go back for anyone's dog. Well, it's too late. The dog's run off. So she has to run to the car oh. and she just makes it. Oh, God. Let there be a lesson learned. Oh, the dog will be okay. Phew. Think. I watched one video. It was like, its name was Snowball. I was like, was it? Was it Snow? Snowball? <laughs> I don't know. You're just like so cynical. Yeah, okay. I don't believe everything I read. But you didn't blink an eye at the name WD-40 or Blanche? <laughs> WD Jones. You guys just keep saying 40. Also, Blanche reminds me of Golden Girls every Yeah, time. it really does. Blanche, but also like naming, a, I'm not trying to be, but naming a, a person, let alone a woman. Blanche. What you did, your boring green veggies. You yeah. Them. No wonder the poor thing was like, I need a thrilling life. I need gunfire. I need to go back for the dog. Like, you need that when your name's Blanche. Exactly. Exactly. She was set up to fail. <laughs> Her story doesn't end well. I'll just put okay, it Okay, continue. Oh, no. So she gets to the car. They pile into the car and they take off. And they piled some of their weapons in that they had as well. So they grabbed a couple of different things and their car was said to be a lot faster than the police vehicles as well. I read somewhere that police vehicles at the time were really basic cars. It was just to get them from point A to point B. They didn't expect to do highway chases at 1920s, 30s. So they were not good cars where um, Bonnie Clyde and the Barrow gang would steal cars that they found that were better. Yeah. Because I knew they were faster. Okay. Grand Theft Auto. Exactly. But it's still what, like 1920... So they're like going like 1930s now. But they're going. (laughs) High speed chase. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard to imagine. I just imagine like today, but it's not. It's very slow. It would be like these little shitty bugs like. I like Cap and Kel Powell walking beside them. (laughs) Yeah. It's like speed dog. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) Blur it, WD. (laughs) (laughs) No, Clyde's a driver. Punch it, Clyde. (laughs) Um, so Clyde drove them all the way to Shamrock, Texas, covering almost 600 miles overnight. Um, they only had the smoking guns in their hands and the clothes on their backs. They left everything else behind. Oh God, that's an image. Yes. Now, the police began to search the things they left behind. Turns out they left pretty much everything. I said they packed some weapons, but really it was only the weapons they had on their person. Yep. So everything else was left behind. That's a whole heap of evidence. Among the things they left behind was a roll of undeveloped film. And on that film were the now famous photos of Bonnie and Clyde. Okay. The photos, that if you've ever Googled yep. them or looked them up, these are the first photos you'll find. There's a couple of different ones. So one of them is 
um, Bonnie and Clyde standing in front of an old car, a new car probably then, but old now. <laughs> and she's holding a shotgun to his stomach. It's a very famous image. There's also one of her like leaning against a car with yeah. a cigar in her mouth and a gun in her hand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and there they were, were a real thing, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, but they were all staged. All those photos were staged. I love that though. She didn't smoke cigars and she barely ever shot a gun. Wow. Really? Yes, mate. All of them were fake. So all the interpretations of her... Are based off these images that she staged. She staged the whole bloody thing. Fake she wanted to be news. famous. She wanted to be a star. She wanted to be an actress. It worked. And it worked. So these photos were really, really popular. And um, obviously they're what we're seeing now. But they were sent to newspapers at the time. Another thing that was sent to newspapers at the time was a couple of her poems. One called The Story of Suicide Sal. And it, it's the Dog. story of two runaway lovers following a life of crime. Okay. And it literally is the story of Bonnie and Clyde. Mm. And part of it went... Um, See, she was she was the thinker in the whole operation. I know. She's was like, she? Not, she's no, but she was the whole... This yeah. whole thing was yeah. staged. She's, like, women didn't smoke cigars back then. She but wait, so cigars. she's left it behind so they would find it? I don't think she... In, I can't say that she intentionally left it behind. Okay. But the, is the word infamy? Hmm. The infamy this brought them was what she'd always dreamed of. Yeah. Um, but the story of Suicide Sal was one of the ones she left behind and it was one of the ones that got published into the newspapers. And it, it re- I'll read a little bit of it. I left my old home for the city to play in its mad, dizzy world, not knowing how little pity it holds for a country girl. That's literally what she's doing right now. She left her little shitty hometown mm. and mm. is caught up in the whirlwind of the city. It's like, it's... Just a country girl. <laughs> <laughs> it's that. Um, and it feels like every cliche, like Hallmark movie that you see, like on yeah. the day, sick. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Some of the photos and Bonnie's poems were sent to the newspapers, like I said, and they were published. And they kind of did that for a number of reasons. One was that they had to sell newspapers. So in the Great Depression, people didn't have money. And so tabloid, sensational stories were selling newspapers at the time. Yeah. So unheard of. I know. I know. We don't have any. <laughs> oh, what, is, what is tabloid journalism? <laughs> so true. And the pair were romanticised in these articles. They made them seem like main characters to a story and the couple were instantly very famous. The American public, weirdly, despite the crimes, was like, oh, we love these guys. It's Bonnie exciting. They were sexy. They were exciting. There was an element of danger. They were getting money at a time where everyone was very poor. Mm. Yeah, they were living this big adventurous life where everyone was sitting at home thinking how they were going to feed their family. And then on top of that, the way the papers first painted them were as bank robbers, mm. right? That's how we knew them, mm-hmm. right? But they mostly robbed small businesses, but they don't say that in the papers. So they're like, oh, they're just stealing from the banks. The banks have fucked us up anyway. Yeah. What does it matter if they steal from the banks? It's good that they're stealing from the banks. So the newspapers painted them into these almost robber heroes, heroes yeah. right? Like... It's actually white from the rich. Yeah. And so she became like businesses don't have any money. And she became like this icon overnight. Like style icon, her fashion, her everything was like you know when you when we watch Chicago, yeah, and it's like you see her cut her hair, so everyone cuts their hair, like mm-hmm. Ron talking about Roxy. It feels like that would have been the same vibe. Yeah. Like they were all criminals glorified. Totally. The media and Totally. And yeah, that was, that was what was happening. And so, yeah, like I said, she didn't smoke cigars. She rarely used guns. They weren't as rich as they were coming across. Like they were stealing from like gas stations or petrol stations and small businesses. They said that they even smashed a gumball machine at one business to try and catch get the coins out like very these not, dramatic yeah i know i thought it was a great story mm. these are not people who were well off for what they were doing mm. but they were they were making enough money 
to get by, but the papers painted them very differently. Yeah. So after fleeing Missouri, they robbed a bank in Minnesota and kidnapped two people in Louisiana when they stole their car. They kidnapped a number of people over their crime spree over time. And what they would do was they would usually drive them quite far away and release them and sometimes offer them money to get back to where they were. So they took their car, but Mm. then they were like in the papers, like, oh, look, they offered us money. How nice is that? Oh, they helped us get back. It's like, yeah, but they also stole your car. (laughs) Like they kidnapped you. So again, this story is really twisted. But each time they're on the front page, and it was bringing them a lot of fame. And Bonnie was like, yes, this is my time mm-hmm. to shine. But it's very hard to hide when you're a wanted criminal on the front page of every paper. Yeah, doll. yeah. Not the smartest uh, move that they've ever made. And that's literally what happened next. So way harder to hide. They're having trouble blending into the surroundings now. Right. Mm-hmm. And on May 20, 1933, around three years after Bonnie and Clyde met, the FBI put out a warrant for their arrest. It said that their actions got more violent and desperate after this because they couldn't stay in hotels or houses. Like I said, they were going to get spotted. They were famous. Exactly. And they couldn't eat out or buy food without getting seen. So they couldn't go to restaurants. They couldn't go to, you know, grocery type stores. Like they were really, They're really. They're on the run. They yeah. fucked themselves up. Something mm-hmm. severe at this point. And they resorted to cooking whatever they had over a fire, camping in the woods, washing themselves in streams. And um, there's actually some photos of them around a the little campfire. But it's so weird to hear that the public thought they were living this glamorous life yeah and then you hear the exact opposite is happening yeah in june 1933 the gang was speeding down a roadway when clyde lost control the car flipping over oh bonnie was severely injured (gasps) it said the car's battery acid spilt onto her leg the injury was so bad you could see all the way down to her bone in her leg oh my god the group were actually worried she wouldn't even survive it and they convinced a local farmer nearby to help them he kind of took them back to their property and you know bandaged her up he knew kind of who they were but saw how injured she was and Mm. helped them and then i read one story that said they took off in his car but i couldn't confirm that anywhere else um so they used him and it was horrific stuff, but she carried on and lived the rest of her life with a very severe limp. And if you remember back to him cutting his toes off, he also had a severe limp. I've been wondering about that the whole time. Mm-hmm. Wondering Bang. how he balances because toes are important for balance. I'm like, does he fall over? Yeah, I should have said that. He has, a, he has a severe limp as well. But okay. they're running from police. like, And she's in heels. Like, there's so many things in this story. I'm like, you didn't make it easy for yourself. But no. Like, their fast-paced life is like 1930s fast-paced. So everyone's, <laughs> everyone's a little bit behind the eight ball. Um, so the, despite her injuries, they kept going on their crime spree. They kidnapped two police officers at gunpoint and had a failed robbery attempt before killing another man along the way. They were still on the run. And in July, they were back in Missouri and they checked into the red town cavern where they covered up the windows and they stayed inside except when they had to get provisions, um, which included medicine for Bonnie and food. That's basically the only reasons they went out. So a very different life to what they were living before, but a similar life to 2020. So it's all good. (laughs) True. What goes around comes around. The local Karens were getting hella sus on them and uh, alerted the police. They thought something weird was going on. And the uh, guy who worked at the chemist or the pharmacist, when they went in to get stuff for her leg, was like, who are you? Mm-hmm. I know your face. Yeah. And called the police as well. So they were tipped off. And the police were like, we are not taking any more chances with this 
dang gang and with Bonnie and we're not doing it. So they got their guns, the submachine guns and surrounded the cabin and the shooting began and the gang fired back. It went on for some time. Buck took a bullet to the head and took his scalp straight off. Damn. Blanche was blinded from the glass in a windscreen which shattered when they were running away and the gang somehow still escaped them. God, they must look like just the most motley bunch. Just it's like wild. She's she's got her bone showing through. He's missing two toes. Yes. Someone doesn't they're know. All, they're all lil- is blind. <laughs> is instantly. WD is fine apparently. WD forty no, has been through. He's a hole through. He has a hole. He's a gaping hole. <laughs> but he's a trooper. He's Sorry, a trooper. But it was a good thing because he's the hole went the whole way through. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exit wood. May they I remind you? This is the first time in a cabin as well. So like they've been living in the wilderness. Like these they, guys have been through the freaking wars. I know, but they're so resilient it's kind mm. of weird They're like mm-hmm. a cockroach yeah <laughs> you cannot get rid of them the group took off um like i said when they got to the car the windscreen exploded got in blanche's eyes they quickly drove off and kind of were just in shock they began to dig a grave for buck because he could still eat and talk even though his head was part of his head was missing wow and they were like we need to dig a grave because he's gonna die and we want to give him a proper, like, burial. I'm sure that he loved that. <laughs> Just saying, sitting next to it, like, mm. <laughs> Guys, I'm good. I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm not fine. dead yet. <laughs> I'm fine. The group are hiding out in an aband- abandoned amusement park in Iowa. And the police were again tipped off. Um, so the police began to surround the amusement park. Very and a hundred townspeople surrounded the amusement park. The townspeople park. with their pitchforks. Exactly. Yeah. They, but people were like obsessed with these guys. Like mm-hmm. part of them, most of them probably just fans. I wanted to see them. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. Um, so this They're going to time- be so disappointed when they... <laughs> Come out limping with all their like, what, what the fuck happened to you guys? What were the, where no, were the photos sorry, taken? Not the people who work here were looking for Bonnie and Clyde. Like when you go on a Tinder date and their photos are really good and you meet them, you're like, where were they taken? This time, Buck and Blanche were left behind oh, because no. they literally couldn't get away. Buck was shot in the back and he died a few days later, actually on my birthday. Oh. Rest in peace. And Blanche was captured. Fun fact, she lives till 1988. Oh. Holy moly. So did Blanche get her vision back? I read somewhere that she lost vision in one eye. Um, I'm not quite sure if she'd be legally blind or if the other eye healed. I don't really know exactly what happened. But, yeah, there's definitely references in a couple of different places that say she definitely lost sight in one eye. Okay. Yeah. But, yeah, she lives all the way until, like, she's, like, 77 or something like that when she dies. She's in her 70s. Um, Clyde and WD and Bonnie got away, but they split and not long after WD is arrested. So now there's just Bonnie and Clyde. Right. Is everyone following? Yes. Yeah. I put it yes. Make sure everyone's following. <laughs> um, so the pair hide out all the way till January. They're living in the woods and doing their like basically scavenging to stay okay. alive. Bonnie is now laying low and recovering from her leg injury but Clyde is continuing to plot and scheme. And now remember that I said that Clyde had some unfinished business with the prison that he was kept in. Mm-hmm. Now this is the time to extract his revenge. So Clyde armed up and helps several inmates escape from the labor camp prison. They actually kill the town's mayor during the wow. whole situation. Like it's very, very Savage. bad. The reason I'm talking about this, and this is Clyde, but it's relevant. One of the people that they release is a known gang member or gangster named Henry Methven. Methven then kills two police officers, but the public and the newspapers blame the murder on Bonnie and Clyde. Oh. 
Mm. And everything he does gets bloody blamed on the two of them. So the papers get the words of the killings. They tell the story in a really exaggerated way. One of the police officers has a young wife that they, that the guy kills and she comes to the funeral wearing her wedding dress, <gasps> which is hella dramatic, but I'm, I'm here so for it. So much drama. Mm-hmm. But it makes the public start to hate them. That's what the media's completely turned on them. Again, yeah. shock horror, like that ever happens. Exactly. It was very sad, but very dramatic. Clyde and Henry then killed a six-year-old man in Oklahoma. Again, this is blamed on Bonnie and Clyde when she had nothing to do with it to the point where the henry guy says later oh no she was asleep in the back of the car she's sleeping through gunfire which is questionable but you know like she's got nothing to do with these murders Mm -hmm. she's an accomplice yeah and she gets blamed and uh the papers just turn on her like i said they start blasting it all over the news um they go from these famous outlaw lovers to dangerous violent criminals which they've been the whole time to yeah be fair. yeah another thing that the papers start doing is writing in details that definitely aren't true one of them was that bonnie was laughing manically as she killed this 60 year old guy now we know that's a lie because mm-hmm. she didn't actually kill him the other guy admitted it mm-hmm. so they were just writing any salacious details i could come up with in their own heads because they're tabloids. The power of the media. Totally. At this time, Texas puts together a team of the toughest law enforcement agents they can find. They just they don't just want to catch Bonnie and Clyde now. They want to kill them. Don't mess with Texas. Exactly. <laughs> and they have been for too long. And to make sure the public's on their side, like I said, they start releasing these negative stories. So it's actually the police that are feeding this information through mm. the media. Um, the Tough as Nails team includes a Texas Ranger by the name of Frank Harmer. He's killed 53 people at this point and has injured 17. So he is someone not to be messed with. Yikes. He's super feared. And instead of just kind of guessing and trying to, you know, catch them, he starts studying what they're doing and their movements around the country. He starts tracking the directions in which they've driven. And he comes up with a really intelligent plan on how to catch them. Would they not have done that from the start, first of all? Second of all, I'm excited to see this plan. They've just been trying to ambush them in houses. Yeah, okay, right. They haven't actually gone, I wonder where they might go. How about instead of springing on them, we go, we're going to let them get away a little bit and then catch them halfway through. Yeah. So Lay he trap. comes up with a trap and it's like cat and mouse for a second. He's like, all right, what would they do if they go here? Okay, that's what they do. I put a trap here. What would they do? And he kind of starts mapping everything out. Mm-hmm. He sets up five himself and five officers in an ambush on a Louisiana state highway. They go into their hiding spots on, you know, around the highway, someone high up rocks and things. So they've got a really good angle mm-hmm. and they wait there for a day and nothing happens. And they're about, to, they're literally about to give up like minutes from just throwing in the towel and trying to come up with another plan. And they actually then see Clyde getting a stolen car. Now this is the morning of May 23, 1934. Clyde jumps into a stolen car and, they're on they're like this is going to be the day we're going to do it the gang are said to be going to henry's father's house but on their way they see him broken down on the side of the road Mm. and they go oh i wonder if he's all right they slowed down and they put their windows down or whatever they have they did the old cars Mm -hmm. and they go to check if he's okay and when they do they're covered in a hail of bullets the officers begin shooting. Police don't stop until they fired 130 rounds long after Bonnie and Clyde had died. The coroner's report says that Bonnie was shot 26 times. Oh my God. Yikes. So she was dead well before they'd finished shooting. Yep. And Clyde was shot 17 times, both with several headshots. That's angry. 
If you couldn't tell, it was a setup. The ambush was in fact set up by Henry's father, who had made a deal allegedly to get leniency for his son. Okay. Of course. Yes. I believe so that. It's so interesting that after a life of doing bad things, it's a attempted good deed that ends them. That's exactly what I mm. thought when I read it. It's so wild, isn't it? Yeah. Now, we've just told you they've been shot heaps of times, but to me, the grossest part is by the time of their deaths, Bonnie and Clyde were so famous that souvenir seekers had arrived at the scene pretty much straight away after they died. Of course. Something I didn't mention before is at the time, police were using radios and people would be bored at home and be tuning in to listen to the police. People do that now. Yeah. So it was like that, but on steroids because there was nothing else to do in the Great Depression. And that is how Bonnie and Clyde evaded police for so long because Bonnie would be listening to the radios and they'd kind of figure out another way to go, but not on this day. Now, by the time, like I said, they were dead, souvenir seekers had already arrived at the scene. Women and men cut off locks of Bonnie's hair. They tore off bits of her dress. Mm. It said that men men cut off Clyde's ear (gasps) and they tried to cut off his trigger finger on his like on his hand like oh they would just went in savages there was hundreds of them there were swarms of them trying to get a look at these dead bodies and trying to take a souvenir home it's really sick yeah the <laughs> car and the bodies were basically looted and police actually collected 15 different guns from the car as well so when i said they were well armed that's two people and 15 guns they yeah, had a lot of ammunition bad. now police eventually towed the bullet filled car uh, to a nearby town and it was basically dragged through the town and the bodies were still inside and it drew hundreds, some say yeah, thousands of Yeah, but the police would have been loving yeah. it. Yeah. They were the ones to capture Bonnie and Clyde, so they would have been, like, showing them off like a trophy. Their family members to this day brag about having their family members who of killed. Of course but their they ancestors do. brag about their great-grandfather, whatever, was the one who caught yeah, wow. Bonnie and Clyde. Their bodies were eventually returned to Dallas and morbidly the plant the pair had always dreamed and talked and written she'd written about it many a time about them being buried together but their families didn't agree to it so they were buried in completely different plots wow. and completely different c- cemeteries as well she had is said to have had a public funeral with twenty thousand people attend and the newspapers published extra editions to mark the service as well his funeral seemed more private there were some suggestions there were still you know lots of spectators but spectators mourners well, Sticky beaks, spectators yeah. in that. Yeah, who wanted sense. to see? But but there were definitely you know reports of twenty thousand at her funeral. Now that is the end of Bonnie. But just a quick little note on what happened to WD. He spent most of his time in prison. Mm-hmm. He lived out his sentence, and then he lived long enough to see the now very famous nineteen sixty seven movie of Bonnie and Clyde at the drive-in. <laughs> really? Yeah. In the drive-in. Yeah. Um, when asked Stop it. what he thought, he said, "You made it seem all very glamorous, but it." wasn't it was hell it sounds horrible like when you watch that movie or you see photos like i thought she was so cool such a boss like mm. i didn't realize all the people she like was part of killing let me mm. yeah. just say that and i will say there was 13 in total that they murdered wow. um, many others were injured and many others kidnapped and, t- and terror not tortured but terrorized mm. obviously no wonder it has been glamorized and turned into film because that is a crazy time totally and she like stage mummed herself Hundred yeah. percent. She was Chris Jennering from the beginning. Totally. She's like, um, yes, I'm a criminal, but I'm also my own PR agent. Take my car. Yes. Well, that was a freaking wild ride. Pun intended. Thank you. All sense of the matter. I know. What a thrill. I'm tired. I need more wine. <laughs> Um, as always, you can find us on uh, Instagram at Fierce Females Podcast or Facebook Fierce Females of History Podcast, Fierce Females History something. Go. 
If you like what you're listening to, don't forget, take a screenshot, post it on your Instagram story, tag us, let people know what you're listening to, let us know you're listening so we can say hi, thanks so much. And also, don't forget to scroll down a little bit and rate us. Again, we suggest five stars. It's up to you. You get to be the controller of your own life. You are the captain now. Do that. And also, if you want to email us, it's fiercefemalesofhistory at gmail.com. Or you can go on a crime sc- crime spree, hole up in a hotel room, run away um, with like your leg, your bone showing apparently, and leave a roll of undeveloped film showing pictures of you. We'll find a way to get our little hands on the film the and media. then we'll find you and then we'll probably just like blast your story out of proportion and make your lives hell. So maybe don't do that one. Find another way. Don't one do of it. The, one of the other ways <laughs> you guys told us. It might be a slow news day, so do it. (laughs) 